Welcome to 321 iRelaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of iRelaunch, and your host for today. Today, we welcome Michelle Friedman, founder of Advancing Women's Careers and special advisor to iRelaunch. Michelle and I do a lot of presenting together at companies running career reentry programs, and we see relaunchers at the beginning, middle, and end of these programs. One of the topics we introduce in our mid-career program orientations is about the learning curve, learning curves and relaunching, and mastery of what you have to learn on the job once you're back. And we're going to be speaking with Michelle in depth about this concept today what it is, how it works, and why it's important to relaunchers. Welcome, Michelle, to 321iRelaunch. Thank you, Carol. I'm so glad to be here with you. Well, it's great to have you. And I'm realizing that in addition to the work that you do with relaunchers, you are also an executive coach. And can you talk just for a minute about some of the work that you do with senior level leaders? Sure. Uh, so I've been coaching mid and senior level leaders inside uh, large complex organizations for the past 10 years. So the topic we're talking about today about um, transitions and learning curves is something that comes up in my executive coaching sessions all the time. Great. And we'll talk more about um, the relevance of that um, to the discussion um, in a little bit. But uh, before we really get into this, can you set the stage for us and tell us more about a a learning curve or looking at performance or mastery versus time? How how do you visualize it and what's helpful for relaunchers in thinking about this process? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, when somebody is relaunching their career, they're going through a change and, and and the transition that goes along with that change. And there's a lot to learn in returning to work and, and starting a new job. So um, when we as coaches talk about learning curves or um, transition or a model we're going to talk about today, the four stages of competence, it's about how do you help people move through that learning process? And some points of it can be quite uncomfortable. Uh, and then come out on the other side and really feel settled and uh, confident in their abilities to contribute in their new role. Right. And this is quite a process. I mean, I'm even remembering from my relaunch uh, back at Bank Capital as a financial analyst uh, almost 18 years ago and how you come in and there are all these stages of uh, learning about your confidence, your competence, actually. And I wonder, can you walk us through what those stages are and talk about it in terms of the learning curve? Yeah, yeah. And first, I just want to comment on, so this is a great example where you were reflecting on a time in the past that you've been through this learning curve. And what we're talking about here applies to people, of course, in reentry programs, but um, it really applies to us in, in all parts of our life. Anytime we're learning something new, adapting to new situations, and starting from having very little knowledge about something, ultimately to where we feel really, really comfortable. Uh, and yeah, so let's talk about the, the different stages of what this could yeah. look like. Okay, so when, when we're in the reentry programs and working with the cohort at that first session during their orientation, we put up a slide, right? And it has a curve on it. And we have that curve kind of in four different stages. And I'm going to walk through the stages and, and describe what they mean. Great. So the first stage 
is called unconscious incompetence. Okay, so this is a great example of this is ignorance is bliss. We, right. we, we, we don't even, um, we don't know what we don't know at that point. Right. And actually, I think it might be helpful as an illustration, maybe to use the example of driving a car, learning how to drive a car as I mm-hmm. talk about these stages, and then it'll be obvious how this applies to reentry. So um, one of my kids actually just got his driver's license. And if you think about watching someone learn how to drive a car or maybe your own experience in that, in the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. You're in the unconscious incompetence phase. And you, right. you know, you've been watching other people do it. You know, you played it on video games. <laughs> right. About it. And you kind of just like, you know, you pr- probably have a pretty good level of confidence and, and actually excitement. Right? And that's what we definitely see at the beginning of starting a new job. And then as you, you know, time goes on and you have experiences, you move into the second phase, which is called conscious incompetence. So this is the phase that kind of hits you in the face with um, now I know what I don't know, where previously right. you didn't know what you didn't know. Like and, those cars on the right-hand side of the road that are parked that you have to drive by, I'm like closer to those than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Or I'm about, for my son, I was just in the car with him. I'm about to merge onto a busy highway. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I, I'm realizing how incompetent I feel at this because this yeah. is a, a new skill. It's a new situation. I don't have a lot of practice at it. And that's when someone really real, starts to realize the deficits in their knowledge or their skills. And it can actually be very overwhelming. And for people who are high achievers and good at you know everything that they do, to be in that that place where they are starting to feel very conscious of their incompetence is uh, a feeling that usually comes along with a lot of discomfort. Mm-hmm. And 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 the truth is is that this phase, you know, the best learning comes from making quote unquote mistakes. Um, you know, that's how people learn, but it, it doesn't always feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next stage is called conscious competence. So now I know what I know. And coming back to the driving example, um, oh, wow, okay. So I'm, I'm driving along. I, I feel pretty confident, um, but I'm paying attention to everything that I'm doing. I need a very high level of concentration to execute this new skill. But mm-hmm. wow, this is a relief. You know, and I feel satisfied because my learning is starting to pay off. Mm-hmm. And the fourth stage is called unconscious competence. So this is basically autopilot. And for someone who has driven a car for many years, it's that feeling of I get in the car, I kind of automatically know what to do. And it this process is running in the background and I can, you know, think about other things or have a conversation. You've had so much practice that it almost becomes a little bit like second nature. And in a reentry program, you know, that that might you know, might not be on autopilot at the end of the program, but you definitely, um, and I've seen this with folks in cohorts where they Oh, okay. So I'm I'm getting to work every day. I'm getting, you know, uh, I'm getting used to a commute or I'm able to speak up in meetings and they are just kind of in the mode and they're not mm-hmm. so aware of riding this learning curve with the, with the roller coaster feel that it often has. Michelle, what about the situation like for example the one I was in where I was a financial analyst before in the late 80s and then I had my 11-year career break and then in 2001 I'm a financial analysis analyst again but I'm in this new environment I had to learn Excel all over again I I had to learn PowerPoint so there were these tech tools and also there were new financial instruments that didn't exist before. So some of the fundamental knowledge was actually relearning versus learning something new. And then there was, of course, all the new stuff I was learning too. 
Yeah, I I would say both of those categories, stuff that you're catching up on or kind of, you know, dusting off the cobwebs and things that are brand new for you for the first time, they I think the learning curve concept applies to both. And what you might see is something where you're relearning it or getting caught back up, you're going to be activating the knowledge that you had before. So this learning curve may be a little bit um, not not as not as deep of a curve and you kind of move through it a little bit more quickly where something for the first time might feel more, more daunting. And we can talk about this later, but I also, you know, when we think about the curve and getting into a dip and moving through this roller coaster, a lot of it is, is state of mind. It's how do, how do you feel during all of this? And we can talk about some strategies to kind of manage um, those emotions too. Well, Michelle, let's actually talk about the dip. Can you define what what is the dip and maybe give an example and what do people feel like when they're going into the dip and then how do they get themselves out of it? Right. So the dip is generally uh, phase two, that conscious incompetence. The At that point, you know, here's a sign that you're in the dip. When you start hearing these voices in your head saying, what have I done? or you're in over your head, or you know what, maybe they hired the wrong person for this job. <laughs> right. Maybe this is, you know, I'm not really as qualified as, as I can be. And that's, um, that's kind of that inner critic. That's, a, that's where your confidence starts lagging. And um, it can be overwhelming because, yeah. and sometimes we bring this on, our, on ourselves. I mean, what I've seen um, is people, you know, feel very overwhelmed by everything that they want to learn in a new job. And and it's a matter of figuring out what do I need for these first few months to get acclimated and start performing and get um, settled in my role? And then what are the other things I want to keep learning as, as I go? And in some of the big companies that we work with, Carol, as you know, in these reentry programs, they tend to have very extensive learning platforms that's available mm-hmm. to any employees. And you could spend 24 hours a day pouring through that and trying to, to learn. Right. Uh, and and it's really a matter of pacing yourself and and trying to manage the overwhelm. You know, I remember um, last year we gave the Pioneering Relauncher Award to Ruth Reardon O'Brien, um, who relaunched her career in the 70s um, after having five kids. And she was out for 11 years and she came back and had a sixth kid. And she's actually Conan O'Brien's mother. It was, it was very fun and wonderful to award this to her. But I remember her saying, we interviewed her for Back on the Career Track when we wrote the book. Um, and, you know, in 2005, we interviewed her. And she said, you know, I got back on the job. I was responsible for all these new legal cases. She was a lawyer. And I would just listen and listen and take lots of notes and tell people I'd get back to them. And then in the evening, I would spend a lot of time studying the law that I didn't know and to really get back Mm -hmm. up to speed so I'd be able to be involved in conversations in a substantive way. Um, So sometimes there's additional work that goes on when you're relaunching because you are trying to do this catch up. And that, you know, that's the extra effort that you sometimes have to invest in these initial weeks to get over this learning curve. Yeah, I agree. It does. It does help. It uh, it helps you feel like you're learning more and sort of moving through those phases. But like I said, sometimes the amount of things that you could be learning is endless, especially if you're a lifelong learner and, and really interested in um, picking up all these new things. So, you know, h- how do you put in that extra time, but also get sleep and take care of yourself and, and work through the, all the transitions you might have at home? 
Exactly. Uh, I would like to remind our listeners who might have just tuned in that you're listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. This is Carol Fishman Cohen, your host, and we are speaking with Michelle Friedman, founder of Advancing Women's Careers. And we are talking about once you get on the job, learning curves and relaunching and mastering what you need to know once you're back. And we're right in the middle of a very interesting discussion. And Michelle, I want to know if you can talk about um, why the learning curve is important uh, for relaunchers, and is it more important for relaunchers than people who don't take a career break or who who are starting a new job? And are there ways that you can um, combat the maybe moments of fear that you might Mm -hmm. find as you're going through um, and then come out of this learning curve? I know you talked about um, using internal corporate resources, but do you talk to your manager? Do you keep it to yourself? Um, do you just muscle your way through? Like, what kinds of advice do you have for people mm-hmm. um, who are relaunching and going through this learning curve? Yeah. Well, so, so to the first question about why is this important for relaunchers, uh, I think this is such a great topic to be talking about because what I hope is that people who are listening to this podcast are going to have this concept now in their back pocket. Right. Because it's just something to be aware of so that you're not surprised or feel ambushed by, wow, I feel like I'm in the dip. I feel like there's so much to learn. I'm so overwhelmed. I, I, what I really hope for those listening to the podcast is that they realize this might happen. And right. basically, if you're in a growth spurt, a professional um, or personal growth spurt, which is what relaunching is all about, th- this is going to happen and there will be some discomfort. Um, so, it's not a bad thing is I guess what I'm, what I wanted to say Mm -hmm. is to be sort of expecting it and to frame it as, okay, I'm, I'm like in that learning phase right now. And And that's really how people grow is by taking on challenges. Right. And then from what you've seen, the cohorts that you've worked with, um, can you comment on how long does it take for people to come get on the other side of these dips and sort of emerge and feel confident again and, and move on and feel like they've had some mastery. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's a very individual thing because like I said, a lot of this is, is a state of mind and how well somebody manages their feelings about being incompetent at different phases and how much support they have. But um, when it comes to people in the reentry cohorts, it's it's really rare to see someone still in a dip or struggling or not making it through this curve by the end of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and I especially see things turning around at the midpoint. Um, usually if that, that dip is going to happen, it's usually in the first half of the program where, when there's so much adjustment going on. But by that midpoint, you start to see the confidence and the competence really steadily grow. And of course, they feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. So as you're feeling more more comp- competent, you start to feel more confident, and then you're going to take more risks. And you know, so it's it's really a good thing. Um, and also, you know, when we meet with the cohorts at that midpoint, um, I think the biggest takeaway for them is people realizing that they're not alone. Right? Mm-hmm. It normalizes the experience of, oh my gosh, I thought that it was just me who was feeling this way, or I was I was you know scared to share this with other people, but now I realize this is a thing and it's very typical and it's happening to other people in my cohort and it happens really to anyone who's starting a new job. Um, so I think, I think that's important to keep in mind. Right. So think about this for a second. I'm just wondering, you know, these programs have different lengths. Some of them are 12 weeks. Some of them are 16 weeks. Some of them are six months. Um, do you think there is 
like people attack this learning curve or emerge out of it um, at different rates because uh, of how long their program is? Or is this sort of happening independent of the length of the program? And what if there's no program? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's a really interesting question because by having boundaries on the program, a start date and an end date, in a way it's sort of signaling to the participants this is the transition phase. You know, we structured this program so that you can be, um, it can feel safe to be in a learning mode. We want to see performance and we want to make sure there's a good fit on both sides. But you're kind of in a, in a special category during that, that particular program. But, but when the program wraps up, we, you know, for better or for worse, you're going to be kind of just like everybody else. And so I think by having those defined dates at the start and end, it, it almost it almost creates a length of time that we think it's going to take to sort of move through the curve. And you're not going to have mastery in everything by the end of a 12 or 16 or 18 week program. But right. most people, I mean, you've seen them from the difference between their first day and their last day. It's, yeah. it's transformation. Yeah. Right. They're almost like a different person. And it's a really good question. I mean, could you be that different person 12 weeks later or could you be that different person 18 weeks later based on the length of the program? Yeah, it is really interesting because I'm thinking about the programs that are longer. And when we're talking to employers, we can tell them because we've seen this, that even if you have a six month program, we tell them you're probably going to know and the person's going to know too who's working out and who's not working out by you know three and a half ish months um you'll have a really good sense um and so will the individual so i wonder if that has something uh, indicates something about um how long it takes regardless of the length of the program yeah. Well, there's a really, really well-known book by Michael Watkins called The First 90 Days. Mm. And I use this as a tool with executives all the time who may not be changing companies, but they're changing roles or taking on a new team. I mean, anytime you're really starting something new and there is something magical about the number 90 days mm. um, and you know the theory behind this and all of the the, um, the tools and the strategies for using during those 90 days is, is based on the assumption that at the end of 90 days, you're, you're, you're pretty acclimated and you would have established yourself. You would have figured out what you needed to learn. Um, you should really be able to convert from being in more of a learning mode to really more of a performance mode. Right. And and so I do think that there is something, there is something to that. Right. I'm trying to remember, you know, years ago when I was back, because I was part, there was no program. I was a one-off hire. Um, there, you know, no one was even talking about this back in 2001. And I'm thinking at the three month point, did I have my sea legs? I, you know, I can't even remember to be sure, but you would think around well, that time you'd feel some degree of comfort. Yeah. And there may be people listening to this podcast who are not in a defined reentry program. Right. And they're going to be um, returning just like you did. So it's a good question is, do you give yourself a little bit of a quote unquote deadline without putting too much pressure on yourself, right. but just giving yourself permission to use those first 90 days to get established and acclimated and figure out what you need to do to really perform well and start performing. But then at 90 days, you know, you don't have to walk around feeling like I'm just the new person or I took a five-year career break and I'm still trying to figure this all out. Um, you know, it might be, it might be worth thinking about that. Well, along those lines, Michelle, is it 
helpful to relaunchers to actually chart this? Or do you think it's better not to get too fixated on this? Because you have a lot of other things you're supposed to be focusing on. Is it helpful or not helpful to think about this in a concrete way? I think it's somewhere in between. Uh, and it's, again, it's it's very individual. I think um, on the one hand, you do want to be aware of this. Like I said, you want to be a little bit on, on the lookout for it, like, you know, not not saying, okay, when's my dip going to happen? <laughs> when right. am I going to, you know, be so uh, despondent with everything I have to learn? Right. But you want to just be aware that this is totally normal. It's typical. It's not a bad thing to be in a dip um, or to feel like you're on this roller coaster of a learning curve. Uh, but on the other hand, when you say, you know, should they chart this? I, I do think that there is something to, you know, periodically, and we do this with our coaching sessions and the reentry programs is, um, pausing, reflecting, taking stock of everything that you've learned to date, even the very small things, mm -hmm. you know, and giving yourself credit for what you are learning. Cause it's very, very easy to get distracted and to always be focused on what you don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, you know, just keeping track of those small wins and, you know, at the outset putting together, you know, a sense of vision, you know, what do I want these, um, next few months to look like? What would success look like? What are my goals? And then chunking it out and just being able to to execute on it. It makes it feel right. more manageable and you can have some small, quick wins. And even a small win can be a game changer. So, I mean, you could plot these on the curve, but um, but my point is, is paying attention to it and making sure you're giving yourself um, enough credit for everything you are learning. Right. And, you know, and maybe, you know, you're learning lots of different things. So like, I remember I had a, I, I had learned my, I had done my financial analysis so long ago, it was on Lotus one, two, three. I always have to laugh about how dated that is. Um, but I had to relearn it on Excel. I didn't find it that hard. It was it was like uh, pretty straightforward. But PowerPoint, for some reason, I was more hung up on. Now I can't even understand that because I PowerPoint seems so natural to me. But and, and I'm sure most relaunchers now these kinds of things are are just something you naturally already know. But there's something new like Slack or you know mm -hmm. um, some sort of new technology tool that you are not familiar with now, even if you've been using some technology while you've been on career break and. And uh, you need you need to learn that. Uh, so, and that's not even um, fundamental to the actual job that you're doing. That's fundamental to how you operate within your organization. Right. So, Michelle, do you have any tips on how people can move through the learning curve at a faster pace? Because sometimes relaunchers are uh, worried about that this whole process is going to take them too long. Yeah. And I think anyone who's starting a new role, especially if it's a new role in a new organization, and so that would be the case for a lot of relaunchers, is they, they do feel the pressure to to learn a lot and learn it quickly. And um, yeah, so I have a few tips, but I would say the umbrella comment that applies to all of this is that you literally have to make a learning plan for yourself. You have to sit down and sort of plan to learn and organize it in a way that feels um, like there are reasonable goals. It feels like, you know, that you're not drinking from the fire hose constantly, which you will be, but how do you then follow up and, and learn the things that you need to learn in an organized fashion so that you're not putting too much pressure on yourself and that you're also learning the things that are most important first and you can, um, you know, stage the rest of the learning. Does that mean that people need to track 
more than one thing that they're going through the learning curve on? Like there are a few big ticket items they, they sort of have to have a learning plan for, or how does that work? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot to learn in a new role. Uh, and I think it's helpful to organize that in some fashion and to literally put a plan together. So in that plan, I mean, if you first start with a brain dump and as you, you know, start meeting with people, as you are out in the organization and figuring out what the things are that are going to be most important to you right away and relevant in your role is to literally start writing them down, sort of do a brain dump, keep all of that in one place, and then put some organization to it. And there's a number of ways that you could bucket that. Um, you can look at what are the immediate must-haves. Maybe there's a system that you need to learn right away to start doing what you're doing. Obviously, that's going to be, um, in terms of a timeline, something you're going to want to learn sooner than later. There might be some things that are very interesting for you to learn or, you're, or you, you want to evict you know, eventually, but it's not an immediate need. That might be like next steps. And maybe you timeline that a month from now, let's say. Um, and then once you figure out what's most important right away uh, and what can come a little bit down the road, then you can sort of sort it by what are the things that are technical, like systems that you need to learn, products that you need to um, get familiar with, client groups, and then what are things that are more that you absorb through paying attention or you, you can ask people about, which are more about like the cultural side of things in an organization. Um, you know, it's when we first land in an organization, it's like landing in a new country and trying to figure out <laughs> the customs right. and way things are done. Um, and some of that you kind of observe and figure it out on your own. But to get up that curve faster, it's really good to have um, – a mentor or people that you can ask those questions to kind of like, well, what does that area do over there? Or I noticed that um, this other group get, keeps getting CC'd on our projects. You know, why is that? And when are people not CC'd? You know, some of the, the culture and the politics behind your role. Mm -hmm. uh, and another thing on the softer side is just, you know, figuring out how your boss likes to interact with you. And is your boss more like spur of the moment, stop by my office, anytime kind of person? Do they like structured interactions? I mean, these are all the things that, that you want to kind of put on your learning plan. And the benefit of having a plan is that it enables you to chunk it out. You know, you can't do it all at once. And certainly on the technical side of things and some of the softer skills, I would review with your boss and say, here's what I, I have observed that I, I need to be learning about and, you know, what are the other things? Where do you want me to prioritize? What should I focus on? Um, and this becomes a, a plan or a document that you can kind of work through and keep revisiting as, as time goes on. And maybe when you have the conversations with your boss or a tech mentor or some other trusted person, uh, then you say to them, you know, I realized I really need to learn a lot more about X and mm -hmm what are some of the recommended resources that that I should consult in order to start that learning process? And then does that maybe jumpstart it a little bit because you move suddenly, you're fully aware of what you don't know at that yeah. point. And then right. you're moving on to, um, you know, getting over that hump to know, uh, feel more comfortable with, with what you're starting to learn. Yeah, anything that's on this plan that you've identified as a priority for your learning should have 
um, you should have a resource kind of um, attached to it or, or resources. So for a particular system, you know, what is the best way to learn that? Um, a lot of organizations have online tutorials and online le- online learning platforms that you may be pointed to as a resource. Um, Carol, you always talk about YouTube being um, <laughs> YouTube an ally. Tutorial. Yes. Right, right. And just and Googling things, you know, yeah. and so or the or the identified resource might be a person. Someone will say, well, you know, the best way to learn about what that group does that we interact with a lot is for you to sit down with um, Bob, you know, and, and, you know, and if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to Bob, maybe you can ask that person who's made that recommendation to make an introduction, or you may just go ahead and do it on your own. But knowing what your resources are also, I think, helps to to break things down and to make everything very, very actionable. And you can just kind of move through it piece by piece. You know, mentioning Google, it's significant because we've had even some of our highly technical relaunchers say that it's their first line of defense, not just the video tutorials that I swear by, but looking up any even highly technical topic on Google and how to approach it sometimes gets you um, part of the answer that, that is really helpful. It's amazing how much is available <laughs> online, right? And with a Google search, um, that could be your fastest way to get to an answer right. for sure, right? So that's always, I think, a resource, right? And then it's kind of like, um, what are the other things that are more specific? What are those places that you can go or people that you can speak to um, to learn what you need to learn on different aspects of your job? It could look a little daunting once you put everything down on on paper in terms of you know, the, the various things that you want to learn by when, what the resources are. So I would say as you kind of move through your first few months of a new role is to make sure you keep track of small successes. I mean, it, it's really nice to move things off that learning plan on onto a like done list. Um, and, you know, it, it, it gives sort of like a positive encouragement and you've a, a sense that you are um, really making a dent in that learning plan by taking credit for even small little things. Excellent advice. So anything else that relaunchers should be thinking about um, in regards to learning curve that that we haven't talked about yet? Well, I, I think that hopefully a big takeaway from this conversation is if you're not learning, you're not growing. So this is just a part of, of re-entering the workforce and, and starting a new job. And just to, you know, this building up this tolerance for this discomfort that you might feel during those conscious incompetence phases is a muscle that you're building for the future because organizations want people to always be learning and growing. And you're you're going to get adjusted. You're going to get settled in this job and, and do a wonderful job in this new role. And then you might get promoted and you might be in another role where you are going to start the curve all over again. Mm-hmm. So um, I, th- I think it's just to keep in mind that what you're doing here is going to serve you the rest of your career. Right. Like initially this has to do with relaunching, but ultimately this is something that um, people deal with all the time who never took career breaks in the first place. And as you move on and you become an executive leader or you become um, a, a in whatever role, if you're relaunching as a nurse or a technologist um, or a librarian, you are then going to be um, more in a mode of, I'm now a person who has been working here for a while and the career break isn't even that relevant to me, but I'm going to have learning curves just like any other person has learning curves who didn't take one. Yeah, right. The career, the learning curve that's associated with 
wow, how do I figure out how to insert a full-time or part-time job back into a very, very busy life that I had? That that will be behind you, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you will be put in different positions where you're not going to feel competent at all. And you're going to be starting from scratch, learning something new. And just you know, being able to talk yourself through it and um, have a support system and, and all that is is really helpful. I mean, there's a concept called learning agility. And there are some companies that they believe the best way to grow leaders in their organizations is to pick people up and to move them into different roles every 18 to 24 mm. months. And what they're looking for is somebody who you can drop in a new area they don't know much about it, but they're bringing all the skills from what they used to do and they're cross-pollinating ideas um, and strategies. And, you know, how quickly can this person get up to speed and live with the discomfort of not knowing what's going on mm-hmm. in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we hear um, employers talk about that they're less focused on what a person knows and more focused about whether they're fearless about learning more and how coachable they are. So it's also maybe um, good for individuals to think about themselves in those terms. Right. Being good at learning things. Yeah. Good. Um, Well, we are running out of time, Michelle, and I wonder if you can... um, we, if we can close by um, answering a question that we ask all of our podcast guests, and that is, what is your top piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something we've already talked about in our conversation today? Yeah, well, I think the top piece of advice um, is related to what we're talking about here. And it is that um, just putting this relaunch chapter in perspective, it's it's one chapter of a life and a career that has many, many chapters to it. And it's very exciting, and it can also be overwhelming and terrifying at the same time. But if you get really clear on what's important to you now, and you create a plan and chunk it out and make it happen, um, you will find success, and you'll have a formula for earning future successes on top of that. That's excellent advice. And thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, can you tell people and companies how they can find out more about advancing women's careers? Sure. Um, well, you can go to our website, and that's www.awc as in cat, ny.com. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I'm happy to be in touch. Great. Thank you so much. You've been listening to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. For more information about I Relaunch, go to irelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media. Thanks for joining us.